With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Footballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Josh Landy is alongside me. I am. You look tired, Boyd. It could oh, be, thanks. Could it be you were up all night doing the Oscars on Sky? I have been up all night doing the Oscars on Sky, yeah. Um, so I got to bed at 6am. How did it go? I think it went good, yeah. It was good Good uh, Oscars this year. Surprises. Olivia Coleman. Yes. Won. See that? Heard her very snippet on Capital this morning. Great. Um, she gave a great speech. Uh, very funny and sweet. Any big surprises? Um, that, that was a big surprise. She she was not what price? To what win. price would she be out for? She was eleven to two. She was third favourite actually. There third you go. Favorite. Thank you. Wow. Actual betting proof that I'm yeah. right that she was not the favourite. And um, Green Book won Best Picture, which is also not the favourite either. That's true. What were yeah. the odds on Green Book? Do you remember? Green Book was. I think it was a two horse race that one. Yeah, it was just it was. slight outside about eleven to eight sixty four. Okay, okay, yeah. So that was a surprise as well. Yeah. Throughout the night, there were quite a few surprises actually. It was more, well, many, did, more than usual. You have some sort of energy drinks keeping you awake last night. What was the secret? Um, coffee, tea. Um, did you demand sweets. a bean burger, or you walk in the green room and go, <laughs> um, "Can you go to the Emirates and get me a bean burger?" That's what no, I need. no, they had some uh, delicious. Food anyway, yeah, yeah. They had a lot of pizzas and stuff. That's fine, yeah. They keep us. They look after us pretty well. I can imagine. So. Yeah, good. Yeah, it was good. Thank you. And you've come back, hot-footed it back from. Uh, I was in Israel, yeah. Uh, so, the um, land of milk and honey. I should, and also I wanted to say congratulations to occasional podcaster Oliver Shorts. Mm. Had a baby today. Well, his wife Did had he? a baby today. Yep. Ah, congrats, Oliver. Congrats, Oliver. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. congratulations to him. He said we can name the child, so we can just have a little oh, ideas okay. now. It's a female. Oh, okay. Any, any ideas? That's harder because obviously I was, going, I was just immediately thinking of Liam Brady or something. Um, well, why not Leah? Leah, Leah Williamson. Leah Williamson yeah. and she was a hero at the weekend for, yeah. what about for certain fact? reasons. Yeah. Ollie would have been a fan after Liam Brady played. So that's your sort of personal yeah, favourite player. Yeah, yeah. So a female for like Tony. Antonia, maybe? Adams? Antonia Adams. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ollie is the king of the um, chocolate bar, isn't he? He's seed the, and bean chocolate. Seed and bean chocolate, yeah. yeah. So she's gonna she's gonna have a, new, a nice sweet tooth. Of, sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we well, we haven't worked our guests yet. What the, no. We're just driveling on. Like well, we've heard from Alan talking shit. Alan, this that's the unmistakable voice of Alan Alger, um, legend. Uh, we we overrate our legends at Arsenal. <laughs> Alan regularly, um, what's the word? Punctures some of the more preposterous mythologising mythologising of our players like Hleb have you particularly one recently with regards to the Barté appearances yeah. Yes? Yeah. which I've, I 100% agree with you on he was you know fine he was decent wasn't he that was about it Leith is here as well Hello. who I feel is like a now mono name like um, Prince or Madonna <laughs> slightly larger than him Around well, the waist. Yeah, all right. And more alive as well. <laughs> just about. Thankfully. Just about. Um, and you've been away, haven't you? You, you took a week off. Yeah, what literally. The... First break since um, since the day before the season started. And um, So you've yeah. worked? 
let me just get this clear. You have worked every single day. You said, told me before the podcast that you have not had a day off since. Literally, literally. Every literally. day I do like 100 hour weeks, but um, I'm not complaining because it's the best job in the world. If you can't play professional sport, you might as well write about it. But yeah, I was knackered and it was great to just go away, turn the phone off for a week and um, just spend time with the kids and stuff in France, deepest Normandy. So is that lovely. Kind of, right, uh, that's good. So even like Arsenal related news, you didn't, you, you well, ignored? Well, obviously we're all addicts in our own way. So yeah, um, yeah I sort of turned the phone on after a couple of days but like I say the kids right. were looking at me and saying well why is daddy um, like giving here. us his full con- yeah, yeah, why, why is daddy here yeah. well, who's this man standing next to us like, why is he giving us his full concentration why, yeah. why isn't he like flicking through his phone yeah. or something but, what's the yeah, latest Arsenal news yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah but, um, yeah it's all good Good. Well this is our, also our first we've had a little break haven't we this is our first podcast since well we, there was no FA Cup game right. last weekend I guess we could have had we done a podcast after the defeat in Belarus it might have been a slightly yeah, negative been, one there was a lot of hysteria so we, 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 last podcast was before the Barté first leg which Correct. we lost of course away and there was quite a lot of hysteria as there is after every game nowadays in this day and age um, but there was like people were getting crazy about that I thought anyway and, and yeah. you know pe- people going on about you know he should be gone already, and that's this is, you know yeah. shows how shitty he is. I, we messaged almost straight oh, after yeah, didn't we, we? And we, yeah. I kind of said, I had no doubt we'd turn it around, mm. and yeah, we I both mean, agreed. Didn't yeah, we? it was like yeah. obviously get on like, a proper pitch. You know, we're obviously mm. gonna win. It was like I've forgotten about. I've already forgotten about that. It was a terrible performance. Mm. The away, the away leg, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, equally, we were completely comfortable in the home in the home leg. I feel and yeah. fairly comfortable. So much so that Chleb is the main talking point. Chleb is the main talking point. <laughs> fairly comfortable in the um, home game at the weekend against Southampton as well. And now I feel like all the hysteria from those. There were articles in the, in some of the papers about you know going on again about how we've got no identity under under um, this manager. And there was a, a John. I love John Cross. I think he's great. But he did write a thing. Did you see the thing he wrote about how he's not understanding? His part of the problem is he can't understand English well enough. Emery and that he didn't know the difference between identity and intensity and then someone pointed out identity is the same word pretty much in Spanish as it is in English so he probably just misheard it or wanted to talk about intensity anyway what it all boils down to is as far as I'm concerned what's happening right now is reiterating my general theory which is that everything's kind of fine really and yeah. that you know all it takes is a couple of wins to arrest the hysteria of the naysayers who are telling us that you not Emery isn't good enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you if you look at um, the Islington Gazette Facebook page, the Arsenal Facebook page, before um, or literally the morning after the first Borisov game, it was like Wenger was back. It was like it was almost split into two camps. It was like give Emery more time, or what's this man doing? Let's get him out. And it was like the whole point of Wenger leaving Arsenal was to get a man in, a new man in to to build to build the club up, to to bring his own principles in, to bring his own ethos in, to to, to bring his own squad in, to shape the squad in, in, in his sort of image really. And you know, you, he, he had no money for, for the January transfer window, his first window. I was at that press conference when he actually turned around and he said, you know, um, someone asked him something about you know, you're going to sign blah blah blah, and he was like, there's no money. And I was like, I was talking to. A journalist sat next to me. I was like, "Did he? Did he say that? Did he say Arsenal Football Club have got no money in the January transfer window?" And then someone followed up and he said, "Yeah, we, we, we can only make loan signings." And you're like, "Well, that's, I suppose that's a whole different kettle of fish." But at the same time, the blokes had no money to bring anyone in. Obviously, Denis Suarez is coming on loan. I think it was a four million fee or something. You could argue whether he's the right player or not if you look at the defence. Probably needs strengthening. But sure. at the same time, he hasn't brought anyone in. He's allowed to bring in. He's obviously got a shopping list, which hopefully. You know, the purse strings will be opened in the summer and he'll be able to buy a few players. But to slag him off, the way the hysteria sort of came about after that first leg was just laughable, really, considering what Arsenal have gone through. And maybe people are just addicted to, to slagging off the Arsenal manager at the moment. There's, I mean, I know it's so, Twitter and all the yeah. rest of it, but there was there was no... People need to take a step back and realise this yeah. is a new bloke who's come yeah. in. Someone made a good point I saw over the weekend. I was trying to find the quote on it and I couldn't find it. But someone roughly said... People, football fans generally, I think this is true these days. I mean, it might even be, but certainly Arsenal fans are more supportive of their own opinion than they are of the team. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, you know, they really their main thing is to support, if, particularly in the post um, Wenger era, during and after the whole Wenger period. So yeah. people are, are so hooked up on that and so obsessed still with maintaining their posi- a position. And now it's, have you got, you have to adopt a position about Emery, either for or against. Yeah. That, that's more important. And proving that you're right about yeah. that opinion is more important than to them than the club. A- absolutely, you're absolutely right. And a mate of mine said the other day, there's a big mob of us still, they've, they've got loads of season tickets, we all we used to go, they still go. I 
obviously lucky enough to go in the press box at the moment, but there's, there's about 30 of them that still go and they go to the barn and a few other pubs around Arsenal. And they, they'll talk about Twitter, half of them ain't even on Twitter, but they'll say, you know, you, you come out of the game back in the day before social media and you'd sit in a pub, you'd have a rant and your mates would listen or they'd laugh or they'd slag you off or they'd completely ignore you. And that'd be it, you'd go away. Nowadays, people put that on social media and it's considered a genuine opinion and it's considered more more valuable for some reason and it's just people ranting but you're absolutely right to go back to the original point because there's people on there who have gone right I'm not going to give this manager any time so even if Arsenal win 5-0 they'll still go yeah. oh you know there's something wrong with Emery yeah. and, and this and the other and to be fair it was a bit like that with Wenger although the, the views were completely well, for entrenched me, for me the instance we had like I personally someone said to me you know oh yeah but you were you know you were, you were judging Wenger and you well I had 17 years yeah, roughly absolutely. where I absolutely was fully in favour of him mm. and then you know it was the last four, three or four years where I, where I found what we were doing boring yeah. and predictable and you know the interesting thing for me is standing back from it a bit well Josh is already frowning heavily <laughs> what I would say for the Emery critics or even just recently the lot, certainly in the last month or so maybe even a couple of months we, the football has been disappointing yes and he hasn't played Ozil or Ramsey so we have lacked creativity haven't we particularly in midfield yeah. so it hasn't been working particularly well so, Alan, would you? I mean, there is a certain, there's a certain fair point to be made that we have been pretty crap, you know, in terms of uh, the football we're playing, etc., for a while. But I did feel like certainly against Southampton, we started to to, to um, arrest that a bit. And we looked, we looked pretty decent. We kind of looked okay. I mean, it wasn't amazing, and it was only a quite disappointing Southampton team. Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay. It's perfectly reasonable for any fan to say that they've not been impressed with certain performances mm. in the last few months. I don't think you need to be of a polarised opinion you know, post, post Wenger or even whichever camp you were in uh, prior to the, this manager's arrival. I don't think you need to be in those camps to say that it's been pretty disappointing what we've seen on the pitch. And if you want to take that a little bit further, you might be able to say that even someone with a reasonable knowledge of the squad and football slightly behind Unai Emery could say that he's not playing certain players in positions where you might have seen either a better performance, a better result, or slightly better attacking play from Arsenal. So they're all valid points, and I'm sure he knows that as well. But, you know, we've asked him to to redecorate our kitchen, and we've sort of gone in halfway through before, uh, mm, before <laughs> while all the plastering's off the wall <laughs> and all the sinks out and started to say, I don't think this is good enough. And if you're doing that before the end of the season, and it might sound like the, 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 the people that used to sort of defend Arsene Wenger or even not take on board the criticism during a season of Arsene Wenger to say, well, everything has to be judged on the results that you achieve at the end of the season. And at the moment... We're okay in the league. Um, we're slightly odds against to get top four, but I think we'd take that. We were about that price at the start of the season. And um, we're doing well enough in the Europa League. And it looks as though we will finish with more points than we did last season. So it will be progress of sorts. But you've got to take on Leif's point that he's not exactly been given a massive budget to... Uh, to go to shopping. Rebuild the kitchen. To rebuild the kitchen, he's <laughs> yeah. shopping in Ikea it's, rather than Harrods. He is. And so, some, uh, some would say, though, that the kitchen, he can't decide whether to have like a lavish bath, roll-top bath, or a minimalist functional one, and he's caught between... What, do you, what's, your, what's your thing about... Whole, in you know, the kitchen. Sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this analogy, seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, a functional... What sort of maverick cook, do you think he is? A cooking area. That a kitchen. I was thinking, yeah, kitchen rather than... I was thinking he was renovating the bathroom as well. It's, it's a double renovation <laughs> situation. Mighty, renovating job. the whole house, let's face it. It. And it's a whole mixture of styles, is what I'm saying. This is getting slightly Alan Partridge, who's back tonight, of course, um, yes, appropriately. Lovely. But what is your feeling about this whole identity question, which is coming up again and again and again? There are long think pieces about it. There's someone, I think, one of the independent journalists who I usually really like wrote, I found Jonathan Liu. Jonathan Liu, he's great. Mm. I did find that piece irritating, though. Like, you know, going, going on about, you know, you have to have some kind of identity. Do we right now? No. Is that important? No. No. Who, I mean, who has ever said that? You've got certain players that, that you'll be big fans of from the past and you might say that they had an Arsenal identity, especially the youngsters that came through late 80s, early 90s. But that was only because they'd been at the club. I mean, football's very different these days and certain players will come in and, and look as if they know about Arsenal and our history straight away. And others, 
you know, might not be bothered about it. And they're, they're just obviously taking a paycheck as professional footballers and, and doing their best they can for the club. I don't think it really exists in football, that. Mm. And what wasn't even, Josh, wasn't the big problem um, of the latter years of Wenger, that, that was, he was so attached to a, some kind of, I, I, some sense of identity, which ended up being tippy-tappy dullness, as far as I was concerned, that he couldn't, he, he couldn't read, have any other option. There was no other option. It became unbelievably boring. And, and so, like... We did see Wenger try and change things towards you. He went to three at the back. There were, there were these late, changes. This mm. cup final very, very 2017 late. that ultimately won us a cup final against mm. Chelsea. I think it was... Does that, was, but, do you, but, do you, but would you rather we had we had the, we had some kind of Emery Ball theory of identity, or is that bullshit? And would you just rather he tries to get results? Which is, in the end, isn't it? Yeah, true? I, th- I think to be fair, th- this season is about results. It is yeah. can he get this team somehow into the top four? Which at the beginning of the season, as Alan alluded to, we were slightly odds against to do. So that is success if we get in the top four. But I would disagree with Leith in the sense that there have been there's been enough negative. There's been enough reason to be negative this season to give some voice to why many of these performances have not been good enough. And still, I know we beat Southampton and I assume we'll beat Bournemouth on Wednesday and we might start to look like we're in a good position for the top four. But still, you look back at the Well, we look tough well, we're games, in the top four right now. We'd have to go and win at Spurs. Let's go win at Spurs. We've got to win a game we haven't been expected to win for us to really push on. I don't, I don't, we, you haven't won a game this season yet. We're really un, not expected to win. I think is that, maybe Tottenham at home is probably the one time slight odds. I'm looking at Alan. Yeah. The only one. I, I would like to go and see that to sort of mark this sort of progress. I know we'll end up with more points but as Alan always alludes to, every season is a little bit different and because Fulham um, and Huddersfield are on that few points, there's going to be a bit more points at the other end of the table. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm still somewhere on, on the fence of it all. I'm on the fence of it all. Okay. Not being too negative about it, and I'm not going to get too excited mm. about it. Yeah. If we come forth, success. What do we th- what do we think of the style of play? Because I mean, in, I mean, I don't almost like formation wise and everything. There was a one. Um, do you see this one? I, I should really start making notes about these bloody Twitter people. By I saw there's one long, long, long Twitter person for, who's some kind of tactical expert who everyone's like worshipping, like look, looking <laughs> eye roll. Yeah, it's like eye roll. Who was going on and on about how um, Emery. Is obsessed with a four-two-three-one formation and played it with Seville or constantly all the time, and and was complaining that he hasn't done that with Arsenal or enough, you know, and that we played four-three-three quite a lot and you know had sometimes even had four-four-two-ish, like two strikers yeah. up front, and was it's a long, long thing. It's, and kind of the whole tenor of it for me when people are going lauding this Twitter thread, by the way, saying, "Oh, this is genius insight." And I looked at it and I thought, "Well, hold on. First of all, he only played four-two-three-one with Seville. Clearly, with PSG, it was more four-three-three, and when you have got Two strikers, two good strikers, two of our strongest players are our forwards. I, I do feel it's a good idea to at least try and work out a way of playing them together. Although, having said that, now we have played 4-2-3-1 against Southampton. It looked pretty, it worked fairly well. And he's incorporating Ozil again or, and or Ramsey. So do you, have, do you have a feeling about the formation on him? Or are you happy that he's actually flexible and can go from one formation to the other? Um, in, in terms of tactics, I'm, I'm a bit, um, it's a bit Marmite for me. I, I think they're important if you're talking generally to start with because you do need to know the formations and the rest of it. But it is almost like the Emperor's New Clothes, where unless you're Michael Cox, everyone's going, oh, yeah, four at the back, three at the back, two wing backs. It's like, well, does it really matter? It's obviously an insight into the manager's ethos and principles, but does it really matter? I was sat in the Huddersfield press box, which incidentally is the, one of the smallest press boxes in the Premier League. <laughs> I could barely move, sat next to James Benju, who's a lovely bloke, but both of us are not particularly small people. And we were saying, look, is it five at the back? Is it is it three and two wing backs? The BBC girl was doing live updates for Five Live. She called it four at the back. And it, look, we, we're trained journalists, we watch them every week, just like the fans do. I don't think people know. You look on Twitter, people are going, oh, he's playing five at the back, he's playing three at the back. Yeah. Does it really matter? He, he has switched it, to be fair. He's done yeah. a proper three. Yeah. He's done a five as yeah. well, and he's done a four. So but I think one, one of my questions that I do want to actually ask him at some stage of the season is just what are your principles? What What is your ethos? Are yeah. you, if you're doing pressing, then you need a lot of players in a pressing style and 4-2-3-1 is probably the best way but as, as, you, as, you, as you touched on it they've got two decent centre forwards Bama yeah. Young and Lacazette you can't do that that way so it is interesting in those terms but when you get on Twitter and someone does a thread with 57 different tweets going yeah but he's a false right back you're like well what on earth are you talking about so, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's my yeah. job on Twitter tactics I would say there's there's a certain merit in it because I think the most valid criticism I saw is that he wasn't really getting to grips with who the opponents were in each game. 
So, for instance, yesterday we were playing a Southampton team that came without a striker. Yeah. Now, he wasn't to really know that until the team sheets were handed in. But what he actually persisted with was, a, to me, it looked like a four. Um, obviously, telling the wing-backs to get forward on their side when we had the ball on their side, because that made, made a lot of sense, tucking into a three, spreading it around at the back. But to play two what you would call defensive midfielders, uh, Xhaka and Torreira, at home against Southampton, when they haven't fielded a recognised striker, probably isn't as positive as I'd want the Arsenal manager to be in that instance. And Josh is probably glaring at me now saying, <laughs> yeah, but didn't you used to say Arsene Wenger probably went too gung-ho in those situations? I'd say there's a little balance to be had there. So if we're playing against a, a decent team like Liverpool or a very attacking team that are going to get lots of good players forward in quick numbers, then having that four, then a two in front protecting would probably be quite sensible. Against Southampton, where they're probably going to defend and come for a point, or away at Huddersfield, who, uh, are, who were playing poorly. So I thought Southampton, the first five minutes, had the best chance of a game. Oh, they definitely did. They definitely did. But that was more to do with the way that we passed the ball around among those six players. It wasn't to do with, with having that many players in those positions. It was to do with the way that we actually spread the ball around. And, and I know Leno... Probably had a good game on balance yeah. yesterday. A lot, games, of his, thought, yeah. a lot of his a lot of his early distribution was uh, as bad as Checks has been. Um, his feet work wasn't particularly good. It didn't help out the defenders. They didn't help out him. And obviously Southampton smelt that they might get something out of the game. But that also allowed us to break uh, to counter attack when they overcommitted. So I'm sure he's got thoughts on that, and I'm sure he is thinking it through. Um, but I just think that he needs to be slightly more aware of the opposition and the threat that they're going to give in both ways, either as in protecting us against teams that are going to be good enough to attack us and also maybe just being a little bit you know, free and attacking-minded against teams that are not going to uh, trouble us too much. Yeah, he seemed slightly more attacking-minded yesterday than in recent times, though. With he still of... played two defensive midfielders and four at the back against the side without is, a striker. I know, is my question is: Is Jacques is Torreira purely a defensive midfielder? First of all, is he, he runs around everywhere, isn't he? It strikes me that he runs around. He's a, he's a better. Mm. He's more defensively minded than any of our recent acquisitions mm. in midfield. That's true. But this is where this is where I I actually agree with something Leif said. Is is to say. As long as the players have the right instructions, it doesn't really matter where they are because the person that made the most entries into the uh, Southampton box yesterday was actually Kalasinac, who was, you know, coming from uh, a fullback position. So as long as everyone knows where to cover, because Torreira dropped back, and and I think it was Mkhitaryan that made a a tackle. Was it tracking back? Now, that was either in the Barté game or the the Southampton game, but... I think he did do it against Southampton. Yeah, yeah, even he made one of the the last... a last-ditch tackle having tracked back. So as long as everybody's got the right idea about what they should be doing and where they should be, I I agree with Leif that that they're professional footballers and they should be able to get on with it. Mm. The second half was one of the most boring that we've... we've I do agree, Emma. I do agree. The second half was disappointing, although I felt that Southampton had clearly been instructed to, to just halt any kind of further you know it was like they were really really I guess we had chances but it didn't feel like unless Southampton scored it felt we weren't going to get a third I think they had a tactic that went wrong because of an injury they put on Charlie Austin they went long ball trying to uh, find Austin's head and then they had Obafemi who is lightning lightning quick and I guess that they were trying to get him to get onto the flick-ons because he probably noticed how bad our uh, defenders were on well, the ball on their touch and they got in behind in the first half and Redmond and they did yeah so and, and Obafemi's even quicker but he got injured he pulled up about 10-15 minutes into the into the, the second half after he came on so they might have had a bit, little bit of success there but we still gave up a reasonable batch of chances to a Southampton team that didn't have a striker and you know better teams are going to punish us and it, it, it might just be to do with the fixture list, and I agree with Josh that a massive, massive game coming up at the weekend against Tottenham, mm. where you sort of prove whether or not this is just a quirk of uh, some easy fixtures. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto that. Yeah, but that's that's a big issue. What do people think of the? He's clearly kind of now. Um, I feel like he's rotating. So, for example, he had to be he was thinking about Wednesday and Sunday. Yeah, he's for sure. thinking about. So he had Lacazette. He had Aubameyang the previous. Lacazette suspended from yeah. your business now yeah, for three games. So no point in worrying about. So he's now 
Aubameyang on the bench, which for our you know lead scorer is quite is is a is a bold move. And I and I always bang on about I think you should play them all. But I think you know I have to I have to I have to admit that it makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Right now, when you've got two or three two games a week. To, and you've got two really good strikers and you've got formation that kind of does seem to work for us perhaps better than the recent other formation is tried yeah. why not rotate do you think it makes sense yeah absolutely I mean you could almost argue Arsenal season is here and now over the next couple of weeks basically yeah. obviously Bournemouth need the three points on Wednesday night Spurs and North London derby away can't be losing that at the very least you want to get a draw out of that United at home the week after there's obviously the the break for the Sifrander Cup, but then but then we've got other games as well, and it obviously got the two ties against Wren as well. If Arsenal want to qualify for the Champions League, they've got to get some decent results out of that. So absolutely, why not rotate the side? There's, it's not the biggest squad, and it's the, it's not the squad, especially the, up front. Up front, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah, you're right. And um, it's obviously not the biggest squad. It's probably not the best squad in terms of quality, but he's got what he's got, and he's got to deal with it. And, and why not rotate? Absolutely, I completely. I never understand why people come and say, "Oh, yeah, we want to play against the same team every week." That's great, and if, if you've got 25 players who are all yeah. international class, but if you haven't, yeah. you've, you've got to rotate the side. It's interesting, isn't it? Whenever he substitutes Lacazette, which he does, which is that he gets, they get there's boos from people. There were kind mm. of one or two, not not as many as normal one, but there were some. Always people, boos, but, and there's always cheers for Ozil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a little bit of singing about... Uh, those him. are the two noises you get yeah. at the Emirates Guarantees. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should talk about uh, the Ulster shows because there were some, some revelations, I feel, about that, weren't there, in the time we've been off, off air. Some kind of, so we'll do that after this little break. Footballistically Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. And we're back from the break. You're, I was said we we're about to talk about the Ozil situation. I, I, I felt that there's been kind of like bubbling up acknowledgement from because obviously recent times, but the whole controversy has been why isn't he playing Ozil? He's punishing Ozil. It's unfair. People are comparing it to the Marino situation with Pogba. Blah blah blah. But I feel it's different because and what seems to have come to light explicitly um, since the Barte games is that he said that Emery said, well, if. Um, Ozil makes himself available and doesn't miss game, you know, training and games through to injury and illness, which is definitely it's what happened. So he seemed to be alluding to the fact that the problem has been that Ozil has been kind of almost expecting special treatment, almost, and like you know, not just just not reliably being there at the same way as every other player in the squad is. Or do you, or you're looking slightly? Do you think is that? Yeah, fair? I mean, it's, it's like an exam question that makes Ozil discuss. Where do you start? I was at London Colney on the morning before they flew out to Borisov looking at the open training. They give you like 15 minutes and journalists are allowed in because it's a UEFA directive. And it, to be fair, it was Ozil. He, he, he sort of wandered on really languidly and, and passed the ball around and, and sort of ran around a bit. Didn't look particularly interested, but at the same time, that's the way he is. He doesn't look particularly interested when he'll do a killer through ball to beat six players and, and feed it onto the feet of the centre forward. But he was fit and... Next thing you know, the team's flown out. Six hours later, he's not on the plane. Why isn't he on the plane? He, he was fit to play. He's fit to travel. You almost feel that Emery is is playing some sort of political game here, because if, if we remember the Leicester game, the Leicester game on a Monday night, um, I think we won three one. Arsenal won three one, and um, he was different class. I know you could argue it's Leicester, but they were Premier League champions a couple of years ago, and they've got a good side. He was magnificent that night. That's the standard you want for Mosul. Do you remember that when he first signed? There was that game against Napoli in the Champions League. Arsenal only won two 0 but he absolutely ran the show, and that's the level you want for Mosul. Oh yeah, but that Leicester game, you, as you rightly point out, was like a shining yeah, example. Yeah. And, and, and he's not been no, anywhere absolutely. near. That was my point. Right. I mean, you, you want him to play like that every week. We'll get near it, and he's just been nowhere near no. it. And I think the way Emery wants a high press and wants his team to, to push on from the top. Ozil doesn't fit into that. But he's obviously been lumbered with... You know, lumbered is, is a strong word because I, I do like Ozil and I think he's a magnificently creative player. But he's on 350 grand a week. Chris Wheatley, who was a um, former goal correspondent for Arsenal, um, former Arsenal goal correspondent, he's, he's got really good links with, with that camp and he did an exclusive with Ozil's agent about a month ago and he basically said, Ozil isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Unless Arsenal change their policy and maybe sell him for half, half the fee in the summer just to get him off the books or loan him out for the season and pay off the wages, Ozil isn't going anywhere. So Emery has to deal with it. And you do wonder slightly. I'm, I'm, it's not even pro or anti of Emery, but mm. you want Emery to be able to deal with big players. And I don't think he's done that at the moment with Ozil. I don't think he's managed them as well as he can, basically. Was anyone in the stadium early yesterday or... Uh, Did anyone early, see yeah. Emery's interview 
as he was explaining the lineup. No, I didn't see that. No, go on. No, he, he was just challenged over the inconsistency mm. of results, which I thought was was quite interesting because they wouldn't normally do that because it's obviously in house played yeah, out yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. But once he started to explain the lineup, he did say, "I want players that are fit, willing, and able to work for the Arsenal." Or mm. Words to that effect. I just did wonder straight away if he was digging at Ozil. Yeah. Well, he said straight after the Barté Borisov game on Thursday that he was very open. He said, "Look, we'll sometimes need Mesut from the bench, and sometimes he'll start." He was very open on mm. you know what, saying what, that he won't always need him in the starting eleven. What I have to do, what I do have to say is, from with my journalist hat on, when I'm in the press conferences after the game, he's well up until the last couple of weeks, he's always been asked about Ozil after that West Ham game in August when sort of there was a alleged bust up there. Um, ESPN Brazil broke whether it's true or not no one knows 100% but there were certainly words that went on and I'm not sure Ozil and, and Emery have had the best relationship since but every time he's asked about Ozil he would just say yeah he, he, you know he, he played or this and that and he would be completely perfunctory in his answer there'd be no emotion but recently you see his body language I'm, I'm big one on body language in press conferences and he's been really bristling someone asked him the other week like why, why didn't Ozil start and he was like well he played so, well, he only come over ten minutes. You know, well, he played. You know, he's getting really defensive. There's something going on there, and I don't think Emery is managing a creative talent like Ozil as well as he can do. But doesn't, uh, but doesn't Ozil have to take responsibility for that? Though? Is he it, does, it, but but why not have? You know, and I'm maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit because I want everyone to run through brick walls when you play for Arsenal. But why not have ten players doing the work and one really creative player? But can you do that in a in a high press? I don't know. And if, by a creative player, I mean someone who's not particularly going to track back. And also, you, some, some I did say on Twitter, he's not being particularly helped by the people behind him either. They're not doing the work they need to do to make him shine as well as he can. But he's good on Thursday. He was good on Thursday. Um, I'm not saying he was brilliant though. I mean, he was kind of he was. Perfect. He was good, and I thought he had a good 20 minutes. Yeah, he's doing. I think I'm doing enough now where you go. Okay, it's time to start him in a proper game. I would start him. I would start him in most games, and I would start him so, in big no, games you, as well. You'd assume. Would you start him away at Spurs? No, I feel it's more likely right. he'll play Wednesday right. and not play him away yeah. at Spurs. Yeah, I'd start I him against Man United, but, but not Spurs. You, it, but doesn't that that, that mere fact? Because I totally agree. I, yeah, you, you start him at home against Bournemouth. Don't start him against Spurs. No, I'm not saying that, that's what I do. I'm saying that's what I think will happen. Oh, well, I'm asking what you would do then. You would play, play him, him automatically every play game, him. every game. Yeah. So even though not what's, automatically, but. Even though, yeah. Yeah. as Leith, that game against Leicester is high in our memory because it was so outstanding and yeah. yet not played anywhere near as well as that every other game you started when you, when you, What so, do you think, Boyd? What do you think is going Put yourself, you're in the Bournemouth dressing room 75 minutes before kickoff, about to get the team sheet through. Do you think they're hoping that Mesut Ozil's name is on there or Alex Awobi's name or Mkhitaryan? I don't think they're going to be excited. Do you know what my answer to that question? Don't honestly answer that question. I don't think they give a shit about Ozil playing or not. I don't think any opposition. I think, in fact, I think I actually. You're a fullback. You're worried if there's a running behind you. There's one player on the pitch who will always (laughs) find the ball. I think it's Ozil. I think. I think. Don't know if if I'm if I'm if I if I'm a combative. If you're on a central defender (laughs) or or CDM, I'd probably want him there because I'd I'd probably want to kick him. Totally. I'd probably want to kick him. I'd probably want to see what it's all about with him. If I'm the Bournemouth manager, I'm like, do you know what? Everyone, every single team can easily nullify Ozil. That's the fucking problem with him. And I actually think it's a slight problem that he may be a man out of time now. Like, I think, you know, I think it's actually getting to the point where I don't see any other player like him in any of the major... Competitors for the league. There's no one. In, there's no equivalent of him in um, in Spurs or Liverpool or um, City. Not like him. I mean, he's a yeah. very unique prospect, Özil, and and that's the problem with him. And I think every actually, I think probably Bournemouth were goats. Fine, we don't care. Uh, whereas actually, Iwobi is now working very very hard. And he gets a lot of the ball and is a lot, launches a lot of attacks. And I know they don't often end up with much. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Actually, again, although I'd say again, yesterday he had some quite good through balls and some quite good little passing moments. I think he's more of a threat than Ozil is. I'm not saying he's a better player. Obviously, in theory, Ozil is, is our best player. I'm just saying he's proven time and time again in practice. And, but, and more importantly, perhaps, and this is why I think there's this overarching difficulty between the manager and him, he's clearly expecting special, special treatment and he's not, not happy to turn up. Week in, week out for training, day in, day out for training, and week in, week out. Is it, is it the transition between being managed by a nice guy and someone that wants to sort of get into the personality rather than ball and shout 
and Emery, who might be slightly different to Wenger, and, and Ozil's had to cope with that change in management style, maybe. That, Definitely, that yeah, might be absolutely. Yeah. But I think it wasn't just, the, I think, you know, the previous manager seemingly just let him do whatever the hell he wanted. And I think that's, you know, that's the case with a lot of the players. And I think... Mm. He was never really... I don't remember Wenger being overly challenged uh, by Leith and, uh, <laughs> and uh, his press room colleagues whenever Ozil did have to miss those right. games the where he had yeah. yeah the Christmas trips off and things yeah. like that and then he'd post a, a picture by a beach somewhere yeah. and you'd, you'd, I you'd think to be fair to yeah, take your point Alan but we did ask and it wasn't such a big I thing I was joking mate <laughs> <laughs> but we, we did ask and it was it, I just don't think it was such a big thing but when someone worked out it was se- he's, he's missed seven games now through illness. Mm. So well, what does that mean? He didn't do but the Newcastle. It was, it was well, Newcastle was the first time this year. He'd it either means he's got a very low immune system or... But the point is, what's interesting, it, was, it became an issue for the fans, notice. Fans were like, why, why, is, why isn't he available all these games? But it was, it was very you let him go over. For me, that's why this whole narrative, I hate using that pretentious word, but... It's like I, I I don't buy it. For me, it's like this. Every what he's doing with him is makes total sense. I think yeah. it's fair enough. I, I think Alan was um, was making a really good point there, and it's about sort of leadership and managerial skills and qualities. Because so I cover Middlesex as well, and to use a cricket analogy, if you look at someone like Kevin Peterson, was he managed well? A real talent like that. Sometimes you do have to take a step back and go, this bloke is actually a genius. So maybe he does need slightly different treatment. You can't just. It's not one size fits all. And I think. Ozil was obviously coming from the Wenger sort of years where maybe Inzolz was the wrong word, but he was certainly he certainly knew that he was going to play most games, if not all of them, if he was fit, to, to sort of come in under Emery, who was a bit more utilitarian and a bit more sort of My but my I, I I don't see I don't have an issue with it's not that I don't, I think I think if he, a genius does deserve special treatment. Yeah. But I think it's it's he's no longer a genius. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we've seen that, apart from that one game you mentioned. Well, yeah, yeah. How often have we seen that genius in literally in the last two years? That's my problem with him. Yeah. I think if he'd been, you know, the the equivalent of Eden Hazard or something, who shows that genius much more often then fine, yeah. But, but he, I don't think he expects special treatment. And I don't, you know, it, that, it's like he wants the special treatment of the genius, but he hasn't shown us the genius. I do think he does need an arm around his shoulder. And if he's not happy in the environment he's in, even if it's 1% lower than it should be, I don't think he can he can be happy enough to perform at his full talent. But obviously that goes back to tactics and, and the, the way you're playing as well. But I don't think he's 100% happy in terms of what's going on. But then on the other side, but I don't I think, think Emery is either. Does the and club... Then, yeah. Yeah. Does, the, does the club want him now? I mean, I feel I, I get the thing. Just yeah. don't, do I they? mean, that's a good question, but I don't think that is the question that needs to be asked because they've got him and they're not. He's not going anywhere, and they're not going to get rid of him. So it's how you deal with him, as far as I can see. And I'm not sure. Going back to what I was saying, I don't think Emery has done as well as he can do in that. But on the on the pos, on the positive side of it, if you're talking about Iwobi, I think Emery's management has has brought out Iwobi and his qualities and talents a bit more than he has done. I, I think I said it before when I sort of I think he was like 19. I, I covered a game in Barcelona in the Champions League. Obviously, Arsenal lost 3-1, but he had a stormer. He was 18, 19 in Newcastle. He was absolutely brilliant. Come back from, it was after Cheltenham as well, I think mm-hmm. two or three years ago. Literally gone to Cheltenham, Barcelona, and then he went up to Everton on a Sunday to cover the game. He scored, Arsenal won 2-0 at Goodison Park. And I was like, this lad is going to be an absolute star. And that was it. He stalled completely. And whether that was mm. sort of Wenger's management or, or non-management in terms of specifically Iwobi, you, I, I think it was, to be fair, from my point of view. But he didn't kick on. And Emery has really made him understand you actually have to work hard as well I think and what's your current view on Iwobi Alan? <laughs> I think do you think in 15 years time he will be better remembered than Chleb? <laughs> that's a good question, <laughs> that's a question yeah. that is a good question it's yeah. maybe it's the Chleb of uh, I don't know I'm guessing that the fan base will get even more overindulged in in past players and if he moves to Everton in three years time <laughs> ends up at like Derby and, yeah and what I would say is, is sort of misremembering the, the careers of these of these players, and, and suddenly only holding, you know, three or four match of the day highlights in your head, the, the way that they did with Riziki when he quit the club, and Chleb uh, Arshavin if he ever comes Guys, back. Who upset yeah. you more, Chleb or Riziki? I would say Riziki because right, at least okay. at least Chleb went away and decided that that was the wrong thing to do, but I don't think he ever sat there taking wages when uh, he probably shouldn't have done. But going back to Awobi, it's, in, it's interesting that we've got a squad that, that require a lot of almost trade-offs from fans when, when, they're, when they're watching them. And I've noticed it more recently when I've had more time to watch matches. I think sometimes fans go to matches and they're doing it as a part of relaxation and they're not 
really intensely watching like a lot of the statistical analysis and 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 t- tactics uh, experts on on Twitter. So someone might come home from a game and say, "Granite Xhaka, oh my god, you know he gave away the ball in midfield. The other team nearly scored." Then we had two free kicks. He put them both over the bar. Then a ball bubbled to him on the edge of the area. The crowd said, shoot. He shot. It went 20 yards over the bar. That guy's terrible. And it might also be a game where he's put 30 decent entries into the, um, into the opposing third and has created a couple of very, very good chances and maybe cut out lots of things that were just about to be attacks for the opposition. So I call those trade-offs. And the, the trade-offs that are positive, so usually a bit deeper hidden with these players. They're deeper hidden with Ozil, they're deeper hidden with Awobi, and they're very much deeper hidden with Xhaka. So it depends on which level you watch your football. And I'm not saying that there's some kind of um, hierarchy in being a fan. It's just if you've got more time to watch and understand, Mm. you might start understanding where players are good and where certain players are bad. The worst thing is at the moment is obviously, as Leif said earlier on, is that on Twitter, you're only really exposed to the, to the polar opposites. Mm. So you're going to get people saying, Granite Xhaka is absolutely ter- terrible. Alex Iwobi is absolutely terrible. And pointing out all those little obvious things in the games they did wrong. And then you're going to get people that are much deeper line and, and, and can understand the game a bit more. And they're going to say, oh, no, actually, what you're, t- you're talking rubbish. He's absolutely brilliant. And unfortunately, at the moment, you've got two very you know, popular channels that are feeding into the Arsenal fan psyche at the moment. You've got YouTube and obviously Arsenal fan TV. And then you've got Twitter and you've got people talking um, and only getting heard if they're on polar opposites. Mm. Now, if you listen to podcasts and hopefully this one and certainly a few of the others I listen to, people have to be a bit more reasonable when yeah. they're making their points. So if you're exposed to everything and you block out the YouTube and Twitter where people have to use polar opinions to get heard... If you put a little bit of balance in there, I would say that these players are good. I'm not saying that they're world-class, and there's certainly better players out there that you probably want to see. And we didn't have to trade off as much when we had um, you know, winning title teams under Arsene Wenger and, and under George Graham. You didn't have to trade off as much with the players. Also, you didn't see their mistakes as much. You probably had to trade off a lot with someone like Tony Adams back in the past because he made loads of mistakes. But... You don't get to see that overanalyzed, and, and you don't get to see people shouting about it on these uh, on these platforms. Yeah, it's such yeah. a difference. Now, uh, uh, you're certainly right. It's the culture, though, isn't it? It's, it's the, the cult uh, of everything. Everyone mm. talks about everything, not just football, not just Arsenal, but you know, politics, politics is, is politics, exactly yeah. the same. On polarization Twitter. is is I guess it's well, I'm going to say something. So Lack of nuance. The monetization mm. of polarized mm. views is what's happening, isn't it? Because yeah, absolutely. The foot, clickbait is an easy word to use, but actually. It is a thing because if you're writing a blog, and if there are five thousand blogs about Arsenal, which there seem to be, and you're just writing, oh, you know, a nuanced, a nuanced analysis of each game, saying, oh, actually, you know, he's doing all right in this bit, and that player's doing okay there, and Emery overall is kind of doing all right. No one's going to fucking pay for that, are yeah, they? Reasonableness so, doesn't sell. Or, you know, it is literally the monetization of extreme of extremism. Yeah, and I yeah, think you know, absolutely. it's but irritating what? with politics and culture and everything. When it comes to Arsenal, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> what, what Alan's, I think, stumbled upon. Is is a wonderful idea, which maybe we should tell Robbie uh, is an idea. What he should do when, Arsenal like, fancy v- when Arsenal are like not in the <laughs> FA Cup at the weekend, yeah. just just head down to what was Highbury and pick a random game from the club's history. Go, Arsenal just got beaten <laughs> at home so by Wimbledon. <laughs> it's 1995. Should Rio go? That's what we much funnier. I want to see Ty <laughs> retro. It's retro Arsenal fan TV. I, I, th- I think, I, I think TV. Josh, that's absolute genius. Should have kept, should have kept it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. could be part it. of your play with a legend of stable where you I've get got... one of the players to sit with you. Yeah, you know. You know, there's this new show starting on Sky this week, I think, where, have you seen it? It's about comedians um, sitting down and watching football. Oh. No, it's literally comedians watching football. You know, like, it's like, like, you you know... Live? um, No, not live, no. So, pre-recorded. Like the soccer box. Gary Neville's soccer box. What's going on? No, it's not not to analyse them. So it's just for entertainment purposes. It's it's like Gogglebox is what it is. It's like, it's the football version of Gogglebox with... Famous with mostly comedians doing it, so it's like comedians gathering, sitting there watching Arsenal versus whoever, and they'll film like recent them w- games. Yeah, 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 recent games. So mm. And they film them watching it, and it's supposed to be entertaining to see how they how they entertain each other whilst watching the football. Have you seen I a mean, preview? I've seen clips. Yeah, 
Yeah, and Stephen Mangan. I, I did an event with Stephen Mangan last week, and Stephen Mangan is a big Spurs fan. Um, he's taking part. He's one of the people who's going to be on it. And he, said, he himself said it, it's gonna, he doesn't quite know how it's going to work. But yeah, it's a thing. It starts this week. So anyway, I'm just by the by. My, wow. my, business, my proposition for an alternative to Arsenal Fan TV or any fan TV is nuanced fan TV. Where you have, <laughs> yeah, you have like, you ban extreme opinions. You just have to be, have a kind of common sense calmness. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to work, though. I don't think anyone Reasonable would. TV. I don't think anyone it won't would. Work, but. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, we have a, a decent stable of podcasts in the Arsenal uh, for that. in the exactly. Arsenal fan base. Um, we, we should talk about um, the we've got two big games. Highly distressing game on only highly distressing in terms of it could be highly distressing. Maybe we could win. By the way, I why are you worried about Bournemouth? Oh yeah, Bournemouth, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Bournemouth tomorrow night. All right, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. And you won't Spurs. be there because you've got showbiz. I've got to do an event on Wednesday, but I'll, I'll be yeah. And then we've got Spurs on Saturday. Um, I worked out, by the way, because Spurs are playing Chelsea, aren't they, this away? Yeah, tough game. Well, We're yep. playing Bournemouth. You think we should win yeah, that game? Absolutely. Then if we, I mean, it's a big if, if we beat Spurs. We're one point behind them, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? what? No, What's that? Yeah, no, one point. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. point. <laughs> and a week ago, a week ago, Spurs, Steve McMahon. Spurs were contenders <laughs> for the league. <laughs> football, people, yeah. you know, people need to remember a lot of c- can yeah. change in football in a week. Anyway, what do we think is going to happen in, in general with these two games? Well, I'm, I'm hoping to do a few piece, preview pieces and feature pieces um, ahead of the derby for the Gazette. Um, I'm hoping to get down to Winfield Spurs Lodge for the presser on Thursday for Gino's presser. And um, I just want to ask him, do you, do you think there is a power shift in North London? Because everyone lords Spurs and everyone, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone writes really well and, and all the rest of it. But, but is there a power shift? What what have they won? Seriously, what what have no. they won over the last 10, 15 years? What what does the a power shift mean? Isn't it? I, what, Our attendances are still bigger. Obviously, they're going to have yeah. an extra twelve people in their stadium when yeah. when tickets sold or totted up when they actually do move in. But what have they done? Well, but the winning thing is interesting because Kane's, Kane's not going to stay there forever. He's going to be sold. I, th- you know, I was thinking, will, will eventually leave. Watching the um, the EFL Cup, seeing how thrilled City. And Pep were about winning the the yeah. least important yeah. competition. That's why they win. Quadruple. What? He's going to you know yeah. the quadruple. Okay, put yeah. you They've said that the only thing United fans can ram down their throats treble, treble. is the treble. Mm. Right. And they must think that that is the one of thing course. to just strike off against. But them, you but, telling yeah. me that if Spurs actually won a, a, a cup, the, the mm. EFL Cup or the FA Cup, that they wouldn't be absolutely fucking thrilled. They would at be that moment. Uh, and, and it's I like, follow a lot they, of them on Twitter, yeah. and they all said yesterday they were all posting videos of the, their last win in the yeah. which 2007, 2008, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. And they were saying easily sacrificed being in the last four of the Champions League and getting knocked out for actually winning this again. Yeah. And and I get that. And I think I think that's a, that's a good fan attitude. As for the power shift, I just think that it is a bit of a, and you said narrative earlier, I'm going to say, <laughs> it's a narrative that the tabloids use and I know you're not part of that. You know, your your articles are certainly uh, better thought out than that. Checks in the post. Don't ask it. <laughs> Don't ask um, it. Don't we're going to win, win 3-1 against Bournemouth. I keep saying that after North Bank Nadim said, Three mm. ones, yeah. Three one is the... I think they'll score against us. We served oh, yeah. up enough chances yesterday. Yeah. Two clean sheets on the spin. Three on the spin's not going to happen, no. is it? Um, <laughs> and I would hope that we're going to snatch a two-two draw oh, at Wembley. Like it, and uh, that would be about fourteen to one, really? sixteen to one, oh, something like that. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, that's good odds. Yeah. So they, yeah, you are part, all very well saying you're going to write. We'll, we'll be fascinated to read your preview <laughs> articles. What the fuck is going to happen in these games? Uh, well, who knows? Who knows? I mean, even last season, I'm talking about a power shift again, and Arsenal completely wiped them out two 0 at the Emirates. This season with a four-two, that was probably my favourite game of the season. Oh yeah, favourite game of about ten years. Yeah, absolutely. It was brilliant. The Emirates was rocking. They, they yeah. played so well. They showed character. My funny enough, my second favourite game of the season was the five-two Youth Cup victory, Arsenal Spurs. Two-two at right. ninety minutes. The youngsters were really battling. They were didn't we smash them in another youth game recently as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, five, well, yeah, the, the under twenty threes, yeah, four 0 the other week. Yeah, incidentally, I, I went up to Manchester. I'm not getting short. Yeah, I, I went up to Manchester. It was one of the best days of my life. Went up to Manchester. Big Happy Mondays fan lives, all that sort of Manchester. And interviewed Sean Ryder in Manchester that afternoon in Salford. Raced back down to Stevenage Football Club to watch Arsenal under twenty threes beat Spurs under twenty threes four 0 That is, made that is Friday, your so life writ large. Seriously, yeah, yeah. So anyway, wow. let me know what's the you have and um, what score. Prediction? Predictions for Bournemouth and Tottenham. 
I would think that Arsenal would beat Bournemouth quite comfortably. I do like Eddie Howe. I think he's yeah. a really progressive manager. And further down the line, who knows, he might have a... So if, if he moves up to say Everton or something, he might have a future oh, okay. five, six years down the line at Arsenal. We'll so he's not really going to make the jump to yeah. Arsenal now. No. But he needs to make the next step, basically. Yeah. He's done really well for Emery Bournemouth. Have won but, the, Emery won the uh, treble by then, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Three Europa Leagues in a row as well, yeah. probably. But, um, yeah. Score so, prediction? Uh, 2-0. I'll go 2 nil. And Spurs? I would be happy. I quite like the two two yeah. that Alan said. Basically, I might oh, yeah. punt on that if I'm allowed to. Yeah, that'd be a yeah. I, I, a point at Wembley against the yeah against that'd be the, great. Yeah, to be fair, they are a decent side. But a point is well, a good result. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Joshua, <laughs> I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. I'm completely with Alan. Yeah. I think we yeah, Better team would have scored a couple of goals. I actually don't think we'll win Wednesday. I think we'll draw two. I think mm. Bournemouth have got enough going forward. Um, I think there'll be changes again ahead of um, ahead of ahead of Saturday's game so I think we'll draw two all and I think we'll get beat at Wembley I think we'll lose 2-1 <laughs> what, 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 what have we done in a big game away from home to make Josh, you think any different you're so much right, more went, negative this, this, Josh, this Josh, season it's Josh, we've had seven years of podcasts <laughs> yeah. where we'd we'd be sort of away to Barcelona with 20 <laughs> players out <laughs> and you'd say it's that so get, we'll snatch a 3-3 three, three <laughs> after hilarious. going 3-0 up having gone for dinner last night with a friend who went all the way to Barty who made me feel like I felt so sorry for him about what a horrific day they'd had about getting he, up at three in the morning. Has he got a partner? Also, has he got a wife or a girlfriend? Or, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, because that was friends. Valentine's Day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. He doesn't actually have a partner. <laughs> he went with there you go. But I went to, no, West, I went to West Ham, whatever it was, a month yeah, ago. That was, that, a that was absolutely form. horrific. I, I haven't seen us do something brilliant away to make us think that we're going to go to Tottenham. Josh, you who, don't need to justify your predictions, <laughs> well, I hope. What are you going to say? You're not going to say we're going to win at Tottenham. No, I'm not. I bloody hope so. I'm going. I can't wait for it. I'm not clinically Insane. You want to come, boy, don't you come in? Uh, I can't make it. I'm not clinically insane. What uh, have you got on, Boyd? That's more important than going to Arsenal or Tottenham. Uh, I've got people coming around to watch it, watch it on my giant TV. That's what I've got. <laughs> I made that commitment. Um, anyway, I think we will win against Bournemouth. I'm saying 2-1 rather than 3-1. And I think it'll be a 1-0 draw against Tottenham and they'll be very happy with Conversely, that. can't you say if this game was under Arsenal <laughs> Yeah. Then we'd have and Tottenham them had 11 in. players out <laughs> and Pochettino was in the stands because he was banned you'd still be predicting a three on defeat. That's not true. Funnily enough that's so not true because I'm so desperate for us I usually predict Arsenal win even under the dying embers of the Veng era. I'm glad we're still having that argument. Thank you very much to Laith and Alan. Pleasure. To to well-informed guests unlike us talking our usual shit and good luck for all your events this week with thank all you very the much Partridge, Gervais big big oh, night thank Brilliant. you <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week bye Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes this is a Playback Media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.